This podcast is a project of the Mass Cultural Council. We believe in the power of culture, the arts, humanities, and sciences to enrich communities, advance equity, and foster creativity. The, the beauty of this project is that we're basically introducing the life sciences and the microbiome, which is a really, really important area of research, to the public through this universal thing called music. Hi, I'm Anita Walker at the Mass Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is David Sun Kong. He is the director of the MIT Media Lab's Community Biotechnology Initiative and founder of EMW Community Space. And welcome to our program, David. It's such a pleasure to be here, Anita. Now, this is going to be an interesting conversation, mainly because I have no idea where we're going. <laughs> but I do know that we are going to explore the space and intersection of art and science. Yes. Very exciting. So maybe I'll just start out by asking you, what is the EMW community space? That's a great question. So EMW is, uh, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, it connects uh, back actually to part of my family lineage. So uh, I'm a, a son of uh, Chinese immigrants that came here to the U.S. My parents met in graduate school at Syracuse, and then they came over to uh, the Boston area around 1968. And they, uh, my, my dad was a professor at MIT, actually, and uh, as a part of their journey, um, they actually purchased this very old building that was right on Mass Ave in between Harvard and Central Square that used to be a sex toy shop uh, called Hubba Hubba, and then they converted the storefront into a Chinese language bookstore called East Meets West Bookstore. So it was intended actually to serve the um, generation of immigrants from my, my parents' generation. And my dad was super into Chinese philosophy and literature and the arts. And so um, that space was kind of set up for, for that generation and had all of these wonderful books and, uh, you know, poetry from, uh, from Chinese history. And myself and a number of other community organizers took over the space in around 2004, 2005. And then we started hosting open mics and our own arts events in that space. So there's this really strange period of a number of years where, you know, there was these Chinese language books, but then all of these, you know, chat books and CDs and like, you know, hip hop uh, paraphernalia and all of this kind of, you know, kind of cross-generational cultural works in a way in this space. And, uh, and then over the years, you know, we really expanded all the programming, starting from this, this open mic called East Meets Words. So again, uh, you know, the space is East Meets West Bookstore. So EMW is both East Meets West, but it's also Electromagnetic Wave, which is my dad's area of scientific research. So, so there's a lot of meeting bubbled up and, you know, kind of bundled up into those three letters. And yeah, and over the years, it's been a really mar marvelous journey, starting from the arts, um, and specifically poetry, and then expanding into electronic music, beatboxing, um, and then around four or five years ago, we built out what's called a community biology lab. So we have this really interesting space that has all of these different forms of artistic expression jammed into one building. And the final thing I'll mention here is just, you know, the, the major um, constituency that we serve are folks from marginalized identities. So the first program that we had in 2004, 2005, actually it started in March 2005, was an open mic called East Meets Words. And again, that primarily served the Asian American community here in the Boston area. And then over the years, has expanded to serve all kinds of other folks. So, so I am very intrigued by Bio2Beats. Mm -hmm. uh, Biota Beats. All right, I'm just going to read what the notes <laughs> yeah, say sure, because sure. this is obviously one of the more interesting uh, topics that I think we're going to explore. And this is a program where somehow music is created by how cells are interpreted. What? <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a really, it's a really, uh, 
really fun project, and I think for me is an intersection of a lot of my own personal interests. So again, I'm a, I'm trained as as in a field that's called synthetic biology. So I work in the life sciences. We work on developing these really powerful technologies to engineer the living world. But I'm also a community organizer. I'm a DJ. I'm a beatboxer, a freestyle rapper, you photographer. You are a renaissance man. I don't know about all that, but but I definitely enjoy the arts very very deeply. And you know, the Media Lab is is all about exploring art, science, design, engineering. So, and I really believe that it's kind of the the uh, the intersection of all of these modes of expression where you really end up with the exciting and you know kind of disruptive work like the edge effect the edge effect the edge effect what's what's, what's the edge the effect the edge effect that's where all the exciting is like when you get to the edge of one thing like the edge of the forest and the meadow and right in that yes. edge is where yes. all the different forms come together yeah. and make some excitement yeah and you know it's really funny we have a phrase uh, at the media lab that we like to use called innovation at the edge and a lot of that and it connects because the idea is that you know once you have a, a form of expression, whatever it is, and, and let, let's, take, let's take the life sciences, once it becomes accessible enough and you get all of these diverse minds and uh, perspectives in it, you end up with the magic. That's when, you know, really that technology or that form gets to all of these diverse people and then, you know, you really get some exciting work. And, and really that connects very much with exactly BiotaBeats. So, so how BiotaBeats happened was, um, there's this really amazing um, kind of giant science nerd fest called iGEM, which is the International Genetically Engineered Machines Competition. Oh, wow. It's a mouthful, okay? <laughs> but it's basically thousands of, of young people from all around the world do these, these projects where they get these DNA-based parts and they create these engineered living systems. They all come to Boston at the Heinz Convention Center and they share their work. And, uh, and I'm actually the official iGEM DJ, so that's my like, kind of funnest <laughs> thing I get to do is I DJ this giant party for you know, 3,000 nerds. Um, but, but we participated in iGEM as a community lab. So as I mentioned, EMW has a, a community laboratory, community biology laboratory. And we had a meeting, and we were looking around, and we said, you know, we wanted to do a project that was um, part of, that was focused on something called the human microbiome. So I don't know if you've heard about that before, Anita. No. Okay. I knew about the edge effect. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the human microbiome, again, very briefly, you've got about a hundred, hundreds of trillions of microorganisms that are inhabiting the human body. So you, you know, you are not alone, quote unquote. I've got my air quotes going here. You know, you are a superorganism. You, you, the human, are living in harmony with this incredible ecosystem of organisms that influence your cognition, your your sleep, your mood, your development. Um, and so they're very, very important scientifically. But we asked ourselves a different question. We said, you know, what if we could actually make music from these? In that this incredible ecosystem of organisms. Just to think of that question is yeah. pretty astounding. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And and part of how it happened was, you know, we're we're, in EM, we're at EMW, and uh, you know, again, we've got in this space that's got all this wonderful, you know, DJ equipment and production equipment all around us. And uh, somebody somebody literally pointed at a DJ turntable and said, "What if we What if we explored something between that was an intersection between the microbiome and that DJ turntable, right?" And we were like, "Huh, right?" And that started to lead us down the path of, of BiotaBeats. Now wait a minute. How do you hear the microbiome? <laughs> yeah. So so the way that we do it, the way that we do it is, um, we literally build what are called biota records, and they are laser cut records, and they look just like an EP or an LP vinyl record, except you can put what's called a media there. So it's basically bacteria food onto the record itself. 
And then the record section, so you can kind of put bacteria, you can basically sample bacteria using a Q-tip and some water, um, bacteria from different parts of the body, so from like your hand or your armpit or your mouth. And again, each part of the body, the organisms, it's, it's a totally different universe, right? So the organisms inside your mouth are very different from the organisms like in your armpit, for example. And so you can sample these organisms. They grow on this biota record, which is sitting on top of a retrofit record player that is literally an incubator. So, so it's like a Petri dish. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, in a way, yeah, exactly. But it looks like a, a DJ, a like a like a vinyl, yeah, like like vinyl records, and uh, and so the organisms grow, and it's it's literally sitting inside this box on top of this uh, this uh, retrofit record player, and we have a camera that images the organisms as they grow over time, and we're collecting data about the organisms, so their growth rate, their diameter, their colony size, the density of the organisms from each body part. And then we collect all that data, and then we have a series of algorithms that converts that data into MIDI files, okay? And then the MIDI files are then the input for our production team. So we've got that. We work with this amazing uh, producer in Los Angeles, Chucky Kim, who actually was an artist in residence at EMW for many years. And um, he then takes that MIDI file and then produces beautiful music with that. Really with that beautiful work. music? Yeah, yeah. From the armpit? <laughs> from the armpit. Not just the armpit. And, and, it, and it's a symphony of music, actually, too. So you can layer all of that music together and create, you know, a really beautiful composition. We can actually play some of it a little bit later if you want. We can kind of link to it or, or, or yes, uh, play a sample of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We will make sure that everyone can hear Wonderful. the bio music. This Wonderful. is amazing. There's so many, um, there are so many things to talk about this. There's just the whole fact of being able to do it. But there's also this idea of an entry point into the biosciences exactly. for people who might exactly. think, I don't know what that is, but it just doesn't sound like anything I'd want to go near. Exactly. So that is the, the central point, I think, of, of, the, uh, of the project. So, you know, right now, especially, we're in this historical moment with the life sciences where, you know, we're, we're here in Boston, which is in the bio hub of the world. And in Cambridge, you know, where I work, there are these giant glass buildings getting erected everywhere. And the public is walking around like, what is going on with these giant glass buildings and all of these pharma companies and biotech that's happening? And so there's a real disconnect between the life sciences and um, and the public. And so the, the beauty of this project is that we're basically introducing the life sciences and the microbiome, which is a really, really important area of research, to the public through this universal thing called music, right? Music the is universal. universal. language. It is the universal language. If you are human, I don't care what your cultural background is, your socioeconomic class, your political standing, every human being has a relationship with music. And so one of the magic things that we found with this project was, you know, you, you hear this music and, you know, you see this visual of, of the bacteria and the music that's creating, and people ask, what does my microbiome sound like, right? That's kind of the first thing, like, how do I do this for myself? What do I sound like, right? We have our own sounds. Yeah, yeah, right? And so, and so part of, you know, one of the, we did, we did a couple of things with this project that I thought were really amazing. So one idea we had was, all right, you know, people have vinyl record collections, right? What if you had a biota record collection, right? What if you could sample microorganisms from an amazing artist, right? So I was at this, and, and actually make music from their microbiome. So get this. So I was at this event, speaking at this event last year with a none, other, none other than the legend, legendary DJ Jazzy Jeff, okay? As in Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge hip-hop guy. And so I was in the green room with Jeff, and, and, I, and I told him, you know, we're, we're doing this crazy crop project called Biota Beats, and, and we're making music from bacteria from the body, and he's looking at me really quizzically, and I was like, Jeff, you know, would it be okay if we sampled some of your microorganisms and made some music? That's and, an interesting yeah, icebreaker, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right, right. What a great get to know you. Uh, can I swab some of your, uh, your, can I swab your armpit, DJ Jazzy Jeff, right? And, uh, and, you know, Jeff was so cool, and he's like, yeah, you know, let's do it. And, and we ended up, you know, making a beat from, from his microorganisms. And, uh, and so one of the most kind of 
the, one of the most satisfying moments of my career happened. You know, soon after that, uh, you know, Jeff's Jeff's management team, you know, they contacted me and they're like, oh, you know, uh, Jeff is going on tour with Will Smith and like for the first time in 15 years, and uh, you know, everybody's on on pins and needles about it. And we've been learning from you that the microbiome is dynamic, right? It re- it changes in response to stress. It changes in response to your diet and so on. So what if we sampled and created a bio to beat of DJ Jazzy Jeff before he went on tour? after we went on tour and during tour and saw how the music changed, right? And I almost cried, you know, tears of joy because as a scientist, right, I mean, he, the, the, you know, you've got some of the legendary people in hip-hop are literally, like, proposing a scientific experiment to me, experiment, experiment to me based on Biota Beats, right? And so, so, you know, it just showed that, that, you know, through this project, we're really, really able to get uh, you know, really diverse folks that normally would not think about the life sciences as, a, as something to be excited about. And all of a sudden, through music, boom, we've got an entry point. And so you actually have these neighborhood um, laboratories of life yes. sciences that are opening their doors to young people who might never have thought about pursuing that. Yeah, yeah, and this is one of the most exciting things that we're working on at the Media Lab at MIT. So again, I, d- I direct the Community Biotechnology Initiative and community. That's a huge, huge part of you know what I care about, and it's really kind of a big part of why I think you know I'm here on this earth is to help um, different types of communities realize their their visions, whatever they are. And so, you know, through this this initiative, we are organizing, we're helping to organize this global network of what our community, or what are called community biology labs. And again, you know, if you think about where we are in the life sciences, you can't go, you know, MIT doesn't have like an open public come and learn about CRISPR day, right? Um, so, so there's a really, there's a really big need for spaces that can actually engage with the public and where the public can come learn. And that is, uh, uh, you know, has emerged, um, these community biology labs have emerged as this crucial, crucial infrastructure. And so the first labs were organized, I want to say, uh, around, around eight or nine years ago in, in New York and in, um, in Brooklyn and in Sunnyvale, California, were two of the first labs, but it's emerged into this big global movement. And so my laboratory at MIT, uh, one of the big things we, we do is we organize something called, called the Global Community Bio Summit, okay, which is basically this, again, giant nerd party. This is a recurring theme, but we bring together folks from all around the world that are setting up these marvelous community labs where, again, the public and citizens and people that are excited about science can come, learn about biotechnology, learn about the life sciences, and importantly, engage with really awesome and wonderful hands-on experiences. So let's, let's just pause right there because when yeah. I think about the built world, yeah. so we go in and you know you can use the imaging machines and all this stuff and make a copy of uh, a little statue I wanted to make. But like, what am I doing in the life science lab? Oh, it's such a great question. So. In the life sciences, there, there's so many different aspects, right? So there's molecular biology. So there's actually being able to do things like build new DNA molecules, right? And again, you know, I think one of the things that's really, ex- or it, it's, it's an opportunity in a way, you know, the public, the, the, the kind of basic biological literacy I think the public has, unfortunately, is pretty low, right? So how many people in the public actually know the difference between DNA versus bacteria versus a virus and so on, right? And you ultimately, I think, understand about these concepts through hands-on experiences, right? So we work very closely in our community lab. We work very closely, for example, with the Cambridge Science Festival. And one of my former students built this wonderful tabletop machine called Amino, which basically is this uh, system that allows you to take bacteria, and you can basically introduce, in a way, metaphorically, you can think about it like a DNA-based program that will reprogram the bacteria to do something like produce a smell or change color, right? And so we've done these, you know, really neat workshops where over the course of a couple of days, um, you know, young people or, or really anybody can learn how to build a DNA molecule that's basically instructions that can give 
a microorganism these new properties, and you, you learn how to build that DNA molecule, you learn how to go through a process called transformation, where you actually inject that DNA molecule into the organism, and now all of a sudden the organism has a new magic power. It can glow green, it can smell like bananas, and so on. And I so, have to ask, yeah, is this yeah. safe in the hands of amateurs? So, so I think it's a really, really marvelous question, and I think you know right now in the life sciences, right, there's a lot of ways in which this technology could be used for for you know variety of things that could be pretty scary. And, and the first thing I'll say is that um, in general, with the community labs where we are right now, everything that's being done is incredibly safe. So um, you know we work very closely with the Cambridge Health Department, and um, the the uh, the director there, Sam Lipson. Uh, one of his best lines is that, you know, what happens in a community, what you do in your kitchen is more dangerous than what happens in a community lab, okay? So in your kitchen, if you're bringing home raw meat, you have more dangerous stuff in your raw meat than what happens in a community lab. So community labs do, are, do what are called biosafety level one work, which is basically stuff that could happen in a high school or any kind of school environment. So it's very, very safe. And, you know, the opportunity to do something dangerous, the most dangerous things that happen in these labs is probably cutting yourself on glass or, you know, you know, something like that. So not, the biology itself is not dangerous at all, really. Um, but, um, but again, it's something to be very, very, you know, mindful of. And I think actually one of the most exciting parts about all this work is that the community labs, they're doing this work in a very open, transparent, and community-based way. So, um, you know, this is kind of the opposite of, uh, you know, the nefarious person working in some, like, hidden lab somewhere. So, so I think, you know, the ethos is all about, you know, sharing, about openness, transparency, and really engaging the public in, I think, these really creative ways. And these are all ages? So yeah, I think I think uh, in you know in our space certainly we welcome we we really are excited about welcoming young people and again uh, we have a whole youth science initiative actually where we specifically engage with kids that are um, uh, in around middle school age to high school um, but primarily middle school students and uh, and I, I certainly um, labs around the world have a really really strong engagement with young people. You know there are so many things um, in our current events that having even. A basic knowledge of bioscience could inform our conversations about decisions we're going to make about our own future, whether it's climate change or um, the uh, genetically engineered baby that evidently uh, oh, came yeah. into being. Yeah, again, so so this this goes back to that whole point, I think, about biological literacy, right? Um, you know, in general, I think in, the, in, um, in our society, you know, a lot of the life sciences have been viewed through this angle of, you know, outbreak or contagion, right? There's a lot of fear. And, and I think, you know, to me, you know, a, a project like Biota Beats, um, you know, one of my dear colleagues and, and mentors, George Church, is this, there's this wonderful book written by, by Ben Mesrick, a local Boston author called Woolly, all about um, their lab's effort to de-extinct the woolly mammoth, which, is a, which actually has a lot of connections to climate change. The woolly mammoth is actually, there's a whole story behind that, but you know, can actually play a, a strong role in, in uh, um, reducing climate change if, you, if we were able to kind of release them back into Siberia. And so, and so you know, this book, I think, you know, where George and his lab are, are really heroes. I mean, they're people that are doing really powerful work. And, um, and I think those are stories. And, and again, I look at, at the folks that are doing the, this work in this, in this community bio movement. They're, in my mind, heroes. I mean, they're folks that are at the front lines really engaging in the life sciences, bringing the public into it. And telling stories that I think should be told, right? Um, so, so that we can really, you know, celebrate science and celebrate all of the wonderful people that are doing this this work around the world. I have one last question. Yeah, please. Are our microorganisms making music, and we just can't hear it? <laughs> It's a really interesting question. They are. They are. There are all kinds of sounds that are happening throughout the body. You know, again, sound is vibration. So, um, so that, of course, is happening. And I think, uh, you know, part of what we did with Biota Beats, which, which I think is, you know, really one of the neat parts is 
we're taking all this data and we're making the music, but you can actually, you know, we've got this kind of hip-hop producer that's making some music, but you could do things with a symphony. Like, you know, we, what if we collaborated with the Boston Symphony Orchestra, right? That's something that might, might be happening later. What if we were able to, and this is actually something we did do, what if you were able to sample organisms not just from one person, but from like a thousand people, okay? And actually as a part of iGEM, that, that giant you know, science nerd fair I was telling you about, that's exactly what we did. We sampled music from a thousand young people and created a song that we called the universe, which means one song. And the whole purpose is to celebrate this giant global community of people Again, we're in, a, we're in an era right now with a lot of nationalism, a lot of kind of fear. And, you know, our goal with this, 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 with this, a little, this collaboration was to say, why can't we make a music, a track, a piece that's celebrating global diversity through the diversity of the collective microbiome of this wonderful community of students? So, Can we put that song on our website? We would love to do that. Universe, let's make it happen. All right. Listen to that after you listen to the podcast. What a fantastic story you have to tell. David... Sun Kong. <laughs> you got it. Thank you for joining us. Another Creative Mind Out Loud. Thank you so, so much. It's such an honor to be here. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.